Hello everyone, welcome to the first episode of season six of the Anna Asks podcast. It's just me with you today and for as many episodes in this series as I feel called to do really, I am nine days into my postpartum, nine days since the birth of my second daughter, um, born at home last Friday week. So 11th of the 11th, which is a lovely date. And I just thought I'd jump in here and take a leaf straight out of the postpartum with Steph playbook and do a bit of a verbal diary entry on how my postpartum is playing out partly as a bit of a debrief for me, partly so that all of you beautiful people who have been checking in on me can can listen because I don't have bandwidth to get back to you all as much as with as much detail as I would like. Um, and also partly so that you can hear how postpartum can play out in reference to the plan that I I detailed in the final episode of season five about my own postpartum planning. Um, before I start, I will say that this could be pretty waffly. I don't have any notes written down of what I'm going to talk about. There could be some gaps. There could be lots of ums. And I hope you'll forgive me for that. I also really want to acknowledge and deeply honour that I am on a Awabakal country here, living, birthing and mothering on a land that has been held and nurtured by the Aboriginal people here for tens of thousands of years and how they have raised their families in connection with and as part of nature for all of that time. And I find that really deeply inspiring now, now mothering my newborn and my big girl on this land. So, nine days. I'm not ready to share my birth story yet, but I'm going to start from the very outset of postpartum. So, postpartum starts as soon as birth is finished, and birth is finished not with the birth of the baby, but with the birth of the placenta. So, both baby and placenta were born at home, on Friday 11th of the 11th and my the two midwives who were assisting me on that day left around four o'clock in the afternoon um, by this time I was pretty wrecked <laughs> um, I had great plans in place for how I would handle after pains because I found them crippling first time around and I had already taken I think some ibuprofen I had various herbal tinctures and teas and things that were on the go for after pains already um, I did try using a heat pack when I was feeding but I felt found that that felt a bit dicey because baby was also on me and I didn't I didn't feel comfortable with the proximity to the heat and my awareness of that um, by this time 
I had had probably three and a half hours sleep and my husband had had maybe two hours sleep in the previous 36 hours. Uh, and I'd also had a 14 hour labor. So I really, um, really was quite, quite exhausted. And the first thing I did when they left was to have some food and also to just have a cry. I just felt like I needed an emotional release and I did. And after that, it was significantly better. We had received some messages from my parents who were looking after my older daughter, saying that she was a bit worried and wanted to come up and and see for herself that I was okay. And my husband and I had a bit of a back and forth about this because we were concerned that she would arrive home and then not want to leave again and that neither of us were feeling in a state to be able to care for her properly. So we spoke again with my parents and just said that that was fine. She could come up for an hour or so, so long as she understood that she would be going back and sleeping the night at their house. And that was all fine. She she understood that. They understood that. They prepped her really well for it. And she came up about six o'clock. So between six and seven, she had with us at home. And I lay on the couch pretty much the whole time. I think I might have might have sat up and read a book with her. I can't even remember. It's all it's all blurry even though it was so recent um I was yeah pretty tired and having to breathe through some pretty strong after pain still I also made sure that I didn't have to go to the toilet during her visit I had I didn't need any stitching there was no major tearing or anything no big birth injuries which is much better than first time around I just had a few nicks including one of them quite close to my urethra and it made urinating really painful for the first few days and I just didn't want to try and do that with her around and possibly hearing me howling basically um so yeah made sure I didn't need to do that while she was around which I did um use some strategies for that over the next few days so I had bought a sits bath which is like a little extra tub that sits in the top of your toilet and you can sit your bottom in there with some in some nice warm water to help heal things up and you can use some herbs or epsom salts in there or whatever Um, what I actually used it for though which I wasn't expecting to do was just filling it with cool water and sitting in there to urinate so that it was more diluted going over that cut until it was healed up so I had to do that pretty much every time that I needed to use the toilet until I think about day five. Um, It did make it manageable, but the first few days, even with that, were still very, very owie. That first night though, so after she had, my big girl had dinner with us up here or she had some dinner while she was at home and then she went back to her grandparents' house. We kind of got ourselves ready for bed. Um... I didn't have a shower that night because I'd been in the birth pool quite a bit through the day and I just felt waterlogged. I didn't want one. So we got ourselves ready for bed and 
I had another little cry getting into bed because suddenly there was this tiny stranger that I was the life support machine for that was in bed with me and my big girl's floor bed in our room was just there empty and oh I'm getting teary again and it just was like uh, I didn't have I still had a really strong love for my baby within a short time after she was born but it's not the same as having that love plus three and a half years of relationship to yeah it was just a different kind of depth of love and I hadn't seen her all day since like I hadn't seen her since kind of midnight the night before and yeah I just missed her um we managed to get a decent sleep and big girl came back the next morning um we only had kind of the midwife visit um I'll include in the show notes here the names of a few people that I'm mentioning, but um, Helen Young or Home Birth with Helen was, has been my midwife through this pregnancy and birth and postpartum. So she came the next day. Um, my parents had a few hours with us and then we kind of did our own thing in the afternoon and evening. I did have a shower that day and I'd been prepared to be quite incapacitated Um I we have a shower chair here like a plastic shower chair that we keep in the garage for use when our friends and family members with reduced mobility come to stay and I had it in the bathroom there like ready for me to use and I just didn't want to it was annoying so yeah like straight away from day two I was kind of able to shower standing up and usually make it to the toilet in time and all things that were just completely out of the question first time around so that was that was brilliant um I was able to walk outside in our yard a little bit and yeah just just be overwhelmed by the beauty of the world and touch the softness of baby's skin and all of these things and it was lovely I was also able to get up and down from the floor quite easily like my body wasn't nearly as sore as as first time like I said so that meant that I was able to do sort of coloring and puzzles on the floor and stuff with my big girl and not have her feel ignored basically and then on the Sunday um we had a few more visitors come and in hindsight, it ended up being too much. I just didn't notice on the day itself really. So that was the day our meal train kicked off, which was brilliant. And a lovely friend came in the morning with a whole ton of food and a green juice from a cafe for me and boxes of tea. And it was just incredible. And so we had some time with her in the morning and then my sister and brother-in-law came and then the, then my best friend and her husband came and then the midwife came. And um, during this time, by kind of Sunday afternoon, my meal could come in as well. So I was quite engorged and also hadn't uh, had any sleep through the 
like had any naps through the day. So I was pretty busted. Um, and Sunday night, I just felt like our latch for breastfeeding wasn't quite right. So it had been fine, fine through sort of colostrum feeds. But now with the engorgement, it just wasn't feeling right. And like I have, I have extra training in breastfeeding support. I've fed my first for nearly three years. I have been to plenty of breastfeeding association meetings and education classes and all of those things. And I still just felt I couldn't get it right by myself. So I wanted to be proactive. I contacted Harriet from the Breast Help um, and she said that she was able to come the next morning, so Monday morning, and help me out, which was awesome. She did a full assessment of uh, my baby's oral function, helped us with our positioning, gave us some activities to do to help her tongue move better. She was feeding in a way that was really lip and cheek kind of dominant and that combined with the engorgement and I have quite a strong letdown that means it's easy to flood the baby's mouth and then they go even like with a shallower latch and clamp down more to try and slow the flow down so they're not choking um, these things put together meant that it was quite uncomfortable so these strategies do take a bit of time to to learn and to work and all of that stuff though. So by Tuesday, I had some pretty significant nipple damage. Both nipples were bleeding. Um, there's a little fissure kind of on the side of the left one as well, which is very painful. The engorgement still wasn't coming down. Even though the milk had come in on Sunday, you'd sort of expect it to be gone kind of Tuesday night and it really wasn't at all. Um, and I was sort of about ready to drop off to sleep with baby late that night 11 o'clock or something and I started getting chills I was like oh no this I think this is mastitis so just feed 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 the baby on the side that I was worried about that was really lumpy the left side uh, all the tricks with uh, boobs in a big bowl of water with Epsom salts and I got my husband to get me some of that expensive Kiara probiotic the on the Tuesday as well because I thought oh this could get dicey here and taking ibuprofen and all these things combining and Wednesday basically being a complete rest day that was my daughter's first day back at kindy as well and I just had a full pajama day and yeah eventually eventually sort of by Thursday morning it had passed but that 36 to 48 hours I felt atrocious and also feeding on bleeding nipples which really sucked yeah you know it's not good when you have to say oh if you're changing her nappy and you see any blood in there just like she's not bleeding out it's just from my nipples <laughs> like that sucks which also meant that I was, it was taking sort of five or six goes to latch on, to get our latch on properly for each feed, which meant that for anybody else to get sleep, they had to be in a different room to us. So my husband and daughter have been sleeping in her bedroom, which we set it up with the view that he'd probably be co-sleeping with her. So it's got a double bed in there. 
And that's what's happened most nights. She's only chosen to sleep in our room on her floor bed once or maybe twice so far. But she gets to choose and then, you know, if the baby's too noisy, they can go to the other room. So it's up to her where she sleeps because I really didn't want to replace, feel, have her feel like she was replaced in, in my room and my bed. Which is probably a good time to talk about sleep. We had the co-sleeper bassinet set up and it was sort of clipped to the side of the bed for a couple of days before she was born so that my big girl could get used to seeing it there and understanding what would happen and play games with it, putting her doll and her monkey and things in there. And lo and behold, night one, baby's asleep, put her in the co-sleeper. She wakes up within 30 seconds, takes 10 to 15 minutes to settle her again. I bring her into bed with me and she sleeps really well. So that's as much effort as the bassinet is getting. It's already been unclipped after being storage for a few days and moved to another room. We're just co-sleeping from day one and that's, that's just how it is. And it's obviously working because in the last 24 hours, I managed to get probably 10 hours sleep put together across four different, <clears throat> four different sleep periods. So yeah, you just, you just do what works. Uh, um, okay. So that's feeding, sleeping. She seems to be a really more cruisy, cruisy baby compared to my first, who was a very sparkly, um, you know, you would have the thought of, I need to get up and go to the toilet. And before you'd even twitched a muscle, she'd be awake, like, and clinging to you. Or you'd try and put her in a little bouncer next to the toilet. And before she'd even touched the bouncer, she'd be screaming. And this time I can just put her in and she stays there. And it's amazing. All right, I am back after a slight interruption. I now have a feeding baby on me, so you might get some background noise. I think I was talking about how I can actually put this baby down for a few seconds, um, which is weird. Uh, she's still young enough that she's happy to go to other people. And although I haven't been passing her around too much. And the other great difference is that when she falls asleep feeding, I can actually detach her without her waking up, which was certainly not the case with my older daughter. So yeah, I'm gonna backtrack a bit though, back to the first day after the birth. So on the Saturday, uh, Anna from the Oxytocin Collective came and collected my placenta and umbilical cord and actually maybe we should go back to the day before that so I had wanted to burn the umbilical cord rather than cutting it with scissors and part of that um, was about just a really slow transition and kind of ceremonial separation between the baby and the organ that we had grown together to to fuel her 
And so we set up the cord burnings and sort of started doing that. And within a few minutes, my husband and I just looked at each other and we were like, no, I can't, can't do this. We were just both busted and not in a state to be having a candle flame even as protected as she was anywhere near a baby and so our midwife had already tied a hemp cord tie very close to the navel and so I got some fabric scissors and that were really sharp disinfected them with boiling water sterilized them and then we we cut the cord just a bit closer to her body than where we'd been trying to burn it. It was a very long cord. And on the Saturday, Anna from the Oxytocin Collective came to collect the placenta and cord and take that to be encapsulated. And it was really cool when she arrived. The placenta had been in a lidded container in our fridge and my daughter wanted to see. And so Anna opened it up and showed her, showed her the cord and how that was attached to the baby's belly button, and that was, and how, like how it's attached to the placenta, and talked about how that was the way that the baby was getting food from mum's body into the baby's body to grow it. And yeah, just gave all the attention to the big girl, which was beautiful. And on Monday, Anna brought it back to us, all done, beautiful glass bottle full of the encapsulated placenta and also uh, the umbilical cord, which had been shaped into the word love and dried and a, pl- a print of the, of the placenta itself. Uh, so, you know, rather than putting paint in it or anything, it's just a print from the blood that was still, um, yeah, still kind of on the surface there. So you can see all the, all the blood vessels. Yes, baby. All the blood vessels in it. And yeah, that was really cool when it came back because um, I'd had the same thing done for the first child. And so we were able to go and collect that placenta print and look at the two umbilical cords and see how they were different but the same kind of thing had happened and explain that I was doing the same thing for this baby's placenta as I had done done with hers and that it would be nourishing my body to to help me be strong again after the baby and that's been great Um, I find that it that I think it helps me sort of keep my hormones and emotions on the level a bit and I have in the past been quite prone to anemia and I certainly had no issues at all after my first birth Um, and some say that it helps to reduce the bleeding postpartum as well and my bleeding's been very manageable so I think it helps and if nothing else certainly does no harm. So I'll link to Oxytocin Collective in the show notes as well. What else? I mentioned the meal train. So 
yeah, meal train kicked off on Sunday. Uh, up until that time, I'd had soups and things, not heaps, but a few of them frozen. And my mum made us a big pot of chicken soup as well. Uh, I really like to recommend having very soft, easily digestible food the first few days, post-birth in particular, um, so that your body's not, you know, your body can use its energy and effort for for healing what needs to heal rather than digesting your food and it also means that your first, yes baby, latch on properly please, that the first poo can be quite a passive process rather than something painful. I'm going to latch this baby and come back. No, she wasn't keen. Um, yeah, meal train, I think I just want to say that people are so generous when you give them the opportunity to be and also that the people who you may think that you rely on the most or feel most comfortable asking for help may not be the people who are actually able to provide the help at the time. So probably two of my nearest and dearest that I would call on in a heartbeat have stuff going on in their lives that means they're not able to provide heaps and heaps of meals for us at the moment. Um, but I had put the link out on my social media and I've had a really overwhelming response. You know, there are some friends that I see maybe once a year who have dropped food around. There was one woman who I literally haven't seen since primary school and she brought two massive trays of food, um, curries and stews. She, yeah, brought that delicious green juice. She brought boxes of things. She, like, just blew me away. Somebody else who didn't have scope for cooking but they brought us some um, like hummus and crackers and fresh bread and jam and brought over a little activity pack for my daughter and another who brought honey from her beehive and also offered use of a yoni or vaginal steam box and brought some um, herbs to go in that which I've used once. I don't think I got the I don't think I got the uh, setup and technique completely right, but I'm going to try it again. Yeah, so if that's a practice you've never heard of before, you can go and find out about that and check that out. It's meant to be about sort of you know creating ritual around your postpartum, but also a really gentle way to clean and cleanse and uplift and disinfect and heal and improve uterine tone and all of those sorts of things yeah just been going really gently starting to do a few pelvic floor exercises um, a bit of kind of lying on the floor stretching my arms out to the side to give my you know those muscles at the front of your shoulders that get really tight holding a baby and breastfeeding give those a bit of a stretch out and haven't tried to go anywhere yet except our neighbor's house across the street. I think I'm nearly up for an excursion. And yeah, the little one can find out, start finding out what's in the big wide world. But for now, obviously, she doesn't care too much outside of our family. I think that's quite enough talking. If you have any questions, get in touch on my social media channels or by my website and I will answer them hopefully next time um, 
I am not one for consumerism and I'm trying to be mostly on mat leave, but I have decided that I will offer my book until the end of the month at a 10% off with the code BLACKFRIDAY at the checkout. So I'll include that information on the show notes, which means you'll get a copy of Mummy, You're Not Broken sent to you wherever you are in the world for Australian $22.50 and that includes postage. So yeah, if you want to contribute to my postpartum fund or meal train, anything like that, I'll include those links in the show notes too because I am normalizing, asking for and accepting help with gratitude. No obligation, of course. Certainly don't, don't want anybody to feel like, like it's an obligation. Do we, baby? No. All right. See you soon.